Welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am your host, Emily. I'm a Kentucky native, now Boston-based artist, researcher, spirituality, and creativity teacher. And I find absolute delight in the sometimes subtle, sometimes epic ways we as people discover our voices and begin consciously creating lives full of meaning and expression. Sacred Adventure Begin features stories from business owners to artists, lawyers to singers, yogis to professors, and many (laughs) in-betweens to inspire you in connecting the threads, themes, and experiences of your own life. I know that it can sometimes feel unknowable, insurmountable, and perhaps some of us feel a bit vulnerable in our quests for the deeper truths and meanings in our lives. Power and awareness lie on the other side of these pursuits, and it is my hope that these stories and conversations become engaging tools to bridge those gaps that we all have between intellect and heart, between mundane and divine, between fantastical and practical. I'm so excited to have you here sharing this space and being part of these conversations. Let's begin. So hello everyone and welcome back. I couldn't be more excited about the episode I'm going to be sharing with you today, um, probably because I am actually like legitimately in love with this guest. (laughs) Oh, so the surprise guest today that I have on the podcast is my husband, Patrick Drouse. And I haven't talked um, very much on the podcast about him or about our relationship, uh, but I wanted to have him on because I I get this question all the time. Um, And I, I think I've mentioned this to you all, but I've been mentoring folks through the process of engaging and thinking more deeply about their spirituality and really deciding what it is that they want to do with their spirituality, what type of work they want to engage in. I don't even mean making a career out of spirituality. I mean, like, what ways do they want to engage themselves spiritually in what we would call work, like meditation or journaling or channeling, (laughs) setting up an altar, like just what, you know, empowering people to make educated choices about how they're going to experience their their, um, spirituality. Ha, for a second, I almost said sexuality. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, whoa, not there yet. (laughs) But... Um, in the process of this, questions have come up from within that learning community, which is mystical, spiritual, magical. But I also find clients asking this question and friends asking this question. And that is like, you know, what happens when you have a relationship with someone and then you start on a spiritual path and it changes how you feel about yourself, how you feel about reality, and therefore how you feel about the relationship, or it changes the nature of the relationship and how do you sort of manage Uh, trying to find someone who's also spiritual if that's a priority for you or you know like what happens if um, it wasn't and then it becomes one as you grow in your um, in your inner knowing and so I thought I would have my husband on today just to delve into those topics Um, I mean we (laughs) we've been married uh, it'll be 10 years in um, December wow (laughs) almost 10 years and um, dating for a long time before that. We dated for quite a few years before we actually got married. So I think we've been together for uh, a long time. (laughs) I keep saying a long time, like 15 years maybe. 
And we started as friends. Uh, it had developed into a relationship. Um, and then it was long distance. And then we got married. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the interview. But I think we're mostly going to focus on um, that blending of supporting someone as they go through a like cathartic sort of experience as they change and learning to uh, be present for that and how to integrate differing worldviews into a relationship and still make the relationship very respectful and functional. So um, I'm really, like I said, looking forward to sharing this interview with you and we'll go ahead and get into it. Well, hello, Patrick Drouse, and welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Can you start by telling folks a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Patrick Drouse. I am married to your lovely host. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, I have to like fully confess a couple things. First off, I'm recording with a brand new microphone and it looks like it is um, getting a little bit hot. So I'm going to turn down the volume on this so that we do not have that as an experience through the rest of the interview. There we go. I think that looks a little better. Um, sorry for that at the beginning. I also want to forewarn you that you might hear our dogs barking. And the reason is because we are sitting in our fabulous house <laughs> in the Boston, greater Boston area, um, recording this on a Saturday after we tell folks what we did. Uh, we went to Worcester. Worcester. Uh, visited Glazy Susan, a fabulous <laughs> little donut shop. Um, and then we went and hiked to the top of, uh, Mount Pisgah in Berlin, Massachusetts. Yes. Yes. That name still sounds weird to me, but. I don't don't even know that I'm saying it right. I've only seen it in writing, so it could be, uh, pronounced differently. (laughs) So the reason I wanted to have Patrick on the podcast today, and like I said, it's going to go a little different because you're going to get both of our voices on here. Um, it's because I get asked the question all the time, like, uh, by clients, by random people on the internet, like, what do you do? How do you, how do you attract a spiritual person? Uh, and there is also this like really interesting scarcity mindset happening for, for, I feel like women in particular. Um, and this could just be the fact that we teach, uh, men that it's okay to want lots of things. Uh, and and women to only validate specifically through the attention of men. So like, <laughs> so I think it, it occurs for women that there's this like deep need to have male affection and companionship. Uh, and I'm speaking now to um, a a cisgendered standard as well. I realize that's a massive part of it, um, but that like somehow if you don't have a family and kids and, and a relationship that you're incomplete. And so it creates this, I feel like it's a false scarcity where we also pack on our happiness to our, our sense of relationship and that it has to be some kind of like perfect version of things. And so I wanted to come on with Patrick and just talk about um, relationships, our relationship in particular, um, and then talk about how to be in a relationship where you're um, 
spiritual beliefs are very different. (laughs) (laughs) And you can hear Patrick giggling about that too. So why don't we just kind of get into more questions? And this is uh, a little bit different format as well, since it's not like a formal interview. Um, Can you tell people what you do in the world? Uh, I'm a CPA. Uh, I focus on uh, internal controls. Uh, specifically my realm of expertise is in Sarbanes-Oxley compliance uh, back in uh, back in 2001 I think Uh, some people may remember from news coverage there was a scandal involving a company called Enron the reaction to that was uh, some additional requirements for publicly traded companies to um, certify to the effectiveness of their internal control environment. The reason for this was the management of Enron, you know, just sort of uh, threw their arms up in the air and said, oh, well, we didn't know it was happening, so we're not guilty. Um, You know, whether you believe that or not, I don't... um, it's uh, you know kind of a legislative reaction uh, created the um, environment in which I work. <clears throat> so um, what I do is I work with companies to help them uh, build, maintain, and evaluate a uh, internal control environment, which helps them to reduce the occurrence of financial errors and fraud. How'd you get into that? Uh, I started at uh, an accounting firm called Arthur Anderson uh, right out of college. Um, Arthur Anderson is no longer around because they were the uh, auditing firm that uh, that audited, uh, or they, yeah, they were the auditing firm that audited Enron. Uh, when this scandal happened, uh, they basically lost their um, credibility, um, and you know, without having that, um, an accountant really doesn't, or an auditor doesn't have any purpose in the profession. So um, they folded, and um, you know, I guess new opportunities came on the, uh, you know, came into the uh, profession. Um, or a new way, it it really was sort of a new way of looking at uh, accounting and it's it's driven a lot of things since then. Um, So, um, you know, I guess uh, some of of it is, uh, some of it is being that close to the, and, and I didn't work on the job, you know, I was in the Louisville office, all that stuff happened down in, Houston or something but you know part of it was just being uh, that close to it and you know of course as a uh, you know as the firm folded I lost my job and um, you know uh, it was being that close to the development of this uh, really kind of made it something that I was interested in Um, and you know I had the skill set in you know, just a uh, general interest in it. Um, so, yeah. 
nice rambling answer. It's going to be great in editing. I'm not editing that. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm leaving all of that on there. Um, Thanks. You're welcome. So it strikes me as interesting listening to you talk about this because I almost want to like have you on for a separate interview about like how, how somebody becomes an auditor. Because I, like, I feel like that's one of those jobs where people are like, why would you do that? Like, sorry, no offense. Um, this is why I don't talk about my job at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Emily's lowest rated episode. <laughs> why do you want to be an auditor? No, that's not true, though. But like the way that you think about it has a lot of depth to it. And I, I think this is one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot um, as I've been dismantling a lot of unhealthy things that I absorbed from society, like systems of thought, systems of belief in myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been thinking a lot about the like male female binary. And I think if you looked at our relationship from the outside, you would see like almost a, uh, a, a, a like caricature of that because I am like the flowy artist Mm -hmm. And I am in the creative field mm-hmm. and have always been. And you're in the um, like <laughs> mathematical analytical field. Mm-hmm. But I, and then, you know, you get the like stereotype of like opposites attract. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's so reductive to think about like relationships that way. And that's the first way I, I hear a lot of people getting stuck is I hear a lot of women being like, uh, you know, I want a uh, like, leader and I want this and I want that and they have like a a, like a list of stereotypical characteristics right like Mm -hmm. so they're looking for the this 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 like off a checklist and they never bother to go like how is a whole human gonna fit this list a and b like where did this list come from and why do I want the things on it right and I I find one of the things that's really interesting about you and about like your journey from I changing colleges a couple times and like trying psychology uh, out as a potential path and then ending up in accounting and then ending up in um, internal audit Mm -hmm. as as interesting because I think that you have a a a mind that is geared to see I'm not gonna say flaws but I'm gonna say uh, ways that things aren't working Mm -hmm. um, and like how things actually work Mm -hmm. that's what I'm going toward and you have the gift or the ability to, like, pull that apart so other people can understand it and, like, organize things around it, which to me is actually very creative because when I um, am making sculpture, I have to think about the whole system that way. Mm-hmm. And any part of the process has to be broken down and done correctly or the next part of the process won't work. And so, like, I feel like looking from the outside, you can maybe say, like, you can maybe reduce us that way. Okay, there's Mm -hmm. the creative one and there's the analytical one. But then also, like, tell people what you do in the creative world. Uh, To to talk about what I do in the creative world is, it's just selfish pursuits, though. But, like, why is selfish bad? Well, no, but it's not like, I I wouldn't consider myself a creative, right? I I like to make... uh, you know, like I worked, I worked in food service and bar service. And so I, I still love to cook at home and I love to make creative drinks. And I, I hate recipes because they tell you what to do. And <laughs> what I do on a daily basis is so regimented. Formulaic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it, it's literally 
regulation. Mm. Like what I'm doing is literally <laughs> regulation, right? Yeah. So it's nice to just throw rules out the window. I mean, you can't throw all the rules out the window or else it's, uh, you know, uh, just burned yuck in a pan. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I like to just sort of uh, cook and mix drinks intuitively. Um, and uh, I also enjoy uh, music, both uh, listening to music, playing music. I play banjo and um, I love jug band music. Um, and, uh, we dance together. We do dance. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have a need for more creative pursuits. They, they, it's something where they enrich my life, uh, versus, you know, worrying about creating for somebody else. I mean, I, I worry that you're going to like whatever I make for dinner. Or the cocktail that I mix up for you, right? Yeah. But it, it, even at that, it's still, it's still, you know, one degree removed from a selfish thing. Um, whereas your focus creatively is really for a broad audience. Really? Do I mean you see it that way? Question mark. I it well, I mean, you know, you think about your career as a professor you were teaching to yeah, the folks that came into your classroom you know your uh your life as an educator in you know your other venues through the intuitive practice through this podcast i mean the the interest is bringing this out to other people so that other people can benefit and and have access to this right it's it's you're uh you're sort of publishing this for a, a, a broad audience uh, versus personal consumption. Huh. I kind of want to like, I mean, interject now for the audience just for a second that like, um, that I'm finding this so interesting that like you've tied um, selfishness to creativity and like making for the sake of making, if it's not for someone else, is like somehow also like in your mind a little bit wrong. And so it kind of, um, or the way that you worded it or framed it. That... I don't believe that selfishness is wrong though. Okay. <laughs> I, I would just like, I just find that interesting. But I, I would also like to like really say that you're very creative. I mean, I don't think that people mm -hmm. think of um, like accountants. Again, we're in the zone of stereotype right now. Mm -hmm as being like specifically creative or not uh but i really find that you are i'm not your typical accountant okay. <laughs> um yeah but like i mean selfishness unchecked uh -huh. right is greed well, greed yeah. greed is bad right or selfishness unchecked can manifest into other things that can be problems selfishness as itself i don't see as bad yeah um, i think greed comes from scarcity like the belief that you have to have it so that you'll have it later because the, you know the world's not an abundant place. Sometimes, um, other times, I think it's more of a um, more of a like winner takes all. Uh, yeah. You know, sort of a almost yeah, a, like, a predatory concept. Yeah, but it, that's like also pride, right? Like if I have kudos and accomplishments and power, that's like going off scarcity of power. 
So you're like collecting all of those things in a greedy way because you want all the power. Mm -hmm. You think that power is not abundant and Mm -hmm. power is very abundant, actually, Mm -hmm. if people would recognize it as that. Good point. So I like it's it's kind of interesting to sort of like think about that concept and where it comes from, like that creativity is Mm -hmm. or could become selfish or greedy or something is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Also getting off track. Sorry, listeners. (laughs) Very interested in how we approach creativity as an artist, as a coach. So that's why I like digressed there. Um, Yeah. And I feel like if we were again, like unpacking the stereotypes that are Patrick and Emily, um, from the outside, I would look like the uh, manic pixie girl from the 90s rom-coms, but I'm actually very analytical uh, in a lot of ways. And I think that the, the like, stereotyping of, like, analysis as being masculine or leadership as being masculine and, like, flow and creativity as being feminine are not necessarily, like, healthy things Mm -hmm. um and i i really question why we've associated them with gender binaries Mm -hmm. and i want to like add to that kind of concept that like from the outside it would look like opposites attract when you look at us Mm -hmm. but from the inside it's like uh we're these like interesting reflective mirrors to each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and the creative parts of me engage the creative parts of you and the analytical parts of you engage the analytical parts of me and it's sort of like a um like a interesting spiral (laughs) yeah i mean the the I guess I have a problem with the concept of opposites attract because there has to be overlap. There has to be areas where you complement each other. 100%. Because um, if you don't have that, then you're... What is your relationship based on? You're, you're roommates. You're not yeah. a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's kind of switch gears and talk about that. How did we meet? Uh, <laughs> uh, the first time or the, uh, or the second time. <laughs> oh, bless. Do I know about this? How did we meet the first time? What are you talking well, about? Well, the first time we met on the, uh, Bell? the Bella Louisville. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I was hosting a swing dance on the Bella Louisville and you and your college friends came down from Ball State. We did. Uh, and attended the dance. Um, and it was just a fun night and I, uh, you know, I was, you know, I, I met you, uh, nothing, nothing happened and we didn't meet again for, uh, a few years, I think. Yeah. Um, you had a, on a big, lovely yellow dress. That my mom made. And it was <laughs> such a hot night. <laughs> I sweat gross. through three or four t-shirts. <laughs> um, yeah. And I have no idea how you wore that big thing. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that was how we met the first time. The second time was after you had graduated. You moved out back to Louisville. Yeah. And uh, let's see. There was... Um, I could tell this part of the story. I moved back to Louisville. I wanted to swing dance. I got on the website and saw that there was a swing dance happening, but it was like 35 minutes from my house, so a long drive by Kentucky standards. And I drove out there and I waited in the parking lot for like 30 minutes and nobody showed up. Mm-hmm. So I called the number online and started bitching the person who answered the phone out. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, I think that was one of the times where the uh, the swing dance community had been taken over by somebody else, um, and uh, you know whatever event they were running at the time just had fallen apart. And I don't know why my contact was still the one on the website because <laughs> I I didn't even have access to the website. So I should find that person and thank them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you called me angry. I did. And uh, I was also throwing around my like professional weight. I was like, I teach professionally for Naptown Stomp, and da 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 da, and this is not a good way to treat people. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I said something along the lines of the effect of, you want to be the next sucker that runs the Louisville Swing Dance Society. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how, I would say that was still like friendship phase. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we yeah. were friends for a long time. Um, if we're kind of telling the story of our relationship. Well, we started teaching together. We weren't even friends. Um, yeah. I'm not even sure I liked you that much. I didn't like you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were mean to me. I know. Um, <laughs> I still kind of am. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I had... Uh, uh, Bellarmine University wanted to do some uh, swing dance lessons for their students through the Student Activity Council and uh, needed somebody to teach with. And I had um, been running a college club at Ball State, actually was one of the founding members of the Ball State Swing Dance Society. And so I said, yeah, I'd love to help with the college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we were friends slash kind of like trepidatious co-workers. For a little while, mm -hmm. and then uh, friends. And at the time, I was almost engaged to someone else, and um, Pat was married, and not we, successfully. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we both were sort of finding ourselves uh, like crying into our beers together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it just so happened that my relationship kind of fell apart because I realized I didn't want, uh, I didn't want to uh, go. I didn't want my then almost fiance at the time to move with me when I went to grad school. I like didn't want to introduce him to people. And I was like, this is a sign that I don't need to be with this person. And so that relationship was falling apart for me. And I don't know if you want to share any, you don't have to share any of the parts of it. Um, just, no. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I don't. I don't need to. No. To talk about it. We're not gonna go there. It but was a failed experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Pat had a learning uh, lesson. Yep. <laughs> in a lot of things, and we both ended up single at the same time, and in our relationship, just sort of like I don't want to say happened, but it just sort of like slowly bloomed for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and we ended up doing long distance for a little while. Um, well, when I was in grad school in Texas, uh, we did three years of long distance. Mm -hmm. um, this was before Zoom. <laughs> so I don't know if Zoom would have made it any better. I don't know if it would have made it any better. I mean, it's, it is, it is nice to have the, you know, I mean, especially if you think about now, right? It is nice that to, to be able to see somebody's face or to see the environment that they're sitting in, you know, the, the yeah. background of their room or the, the the light of day or the seasons outside. Um, so that that that's nice, but that's still not uh, that's still not having somebody 
uh, close enough that you can reach out to them and, and touch them. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's definitely a, you know, a love by wire uh, sort of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we did like during that time that I just loved so much and I still like thinking about it is um, a lot of times when you're in a long distance relationship, you just end up calling each other and like kind of like recapping your day. So it's like you give each other like daily reports, which I mean, sounds kind of romantic, but it gets boring after a while. Um, and so every Sunday we would go get a uh, get a movie together. <laughs> Dating ourselves again. Yeah. <laughs> Went to a blockbuster and got a movie. (laughs) We've been together a while, in case you can't tell. Yeah. Um, And I went to the movie gallery on the corner. Uh, And and we would uh, walk around the store until we found movies that both our stores had. And then we would rent them and we would go three, two, one, play. And we would have like an experience together uh, almost every Sunday. I feel like we did that pretty pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then I moved back home after grad school. Pat proposed. We were engaged for a couple years and then we got married. But there's this sort of um, interesting and I promise relevant thing that happened during that time. And that is that like, or or that was kind of like a transition that I want to talk about. So when we first got together, we had a lot of, a lot of things in common, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Like we were both in a really similar place with. Uh, like being on in the healing process, having a relationship that didn't work out, um, going through life changes. Mm-hmm. You were changing jobs. That was when you were switching from uh, that place you were talking about earlier. Um, no, well, I was with a different firm. This was long after Arthur Anderson. But... Yeah, but you were switching jobs. I went yeah. to grad school, you know. Um, and at that time, like if I kind of described <laughs> myself, I would have self-described as analytical and uh, serious. I mean, even all of my creative pursuits were sort of experiments and treated like very scientifically. And I wasn't really, uh, as a philosophy, <laughs> as a living condition, it, it wasn't, and there are a lot of reasons for this, and this is part of why I was on a spiritual path, or why I needed spirituality so much, was that I lived such a distance from my emotions. And, like, I'm very, like, even my emotions were very controlled and, like, mm-hmm. analytical. And I I would just, mm-hmm. like, describe them as that and that, like, kind of, like, disconnect because I was in the pursuit of a university position for so long. And I spent 12 years teaching um, as a professor. For those of you who maybe have never heard my story, I'm not sure if I've told my whole story on this podcast yet. Um But, like, that environment, even teaching art in that kind of environment is very, like, um, left-brained. It's very uh, organizational. It's very hierarchical. It's very much, like, um, and I I keep using the word analytical. How would you call it? Academic. Well, it it is a discipline. It's an academic discipline, and so it has that infrastructure built into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was like that way with everything in my life. It w- and so like also when we, w- when we met, we kind of had that in common because like I would treat my body that way and like uh, running marathons and like super driven. I was super driven. And I'm not going to even sit here and pretend you're laughing. <laughs> was. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not still driven. Um, but there's like a softness to me now. I feel like, 
And mm-hmm. um, maybe you could speak to that. So, like, this is the other thing that I, like, hear so much. So I came into, uh, I came into spiritual awareness and I came into um, intuitive practice uh, while in a relationship. And intuitive awakenings tend to, like, reprioritize things for you. And it completely did. And you went through all of that with me. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I ended up getting passed over for a promotion, um, which would have led to, like, a lot of responsibility and even more hierarchy <laughs> mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, but it was uh, the break in my back. So it was the, like, essentially the, like, dysfunction and degeneration in my body to the point that I, I couldn't walk anymore. Um, to the, like, healing and recovery from that, to the discovery of spirituality, and then the reprioritization of rest, of emotions, of awareness, of meditation, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it is, like, so I came in with the relationship, and that was always a priority for me. So, like, when I became spiritual, it wasn't a problem. I, I at least didn't perceive it as a problem that you were not like also like, woo, let's chant to Ganesha. <laughs> like, <laughs> can, can you talk a little bit about like maybe what that was like to be on that ride uh, and how to like support someone that's going through that when maybe you're yourself not on a spiritual path. And I'm not going to, maybe we should, I should just ask like, what's your spiritual philosophy, Patrick? Uh, I am an atheist. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a spiritual philosophy. (laughs) So, um, but, but that said, uh, I mean, it's, it would be moronic to deny that, spirituality is important to the human experience if it weren't then then nobody would be pursuing religion or spiritual or anything like that yes none of that culture and every world none of that would have occurred and every every culture and and yeah every every culture has it. it it's 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 one of the foundations of culture you know all cultures have um you know some sort of core values some sort of core language you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of the elements that, that actually makes a culture. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I, I, I recognize that, but at the same time, I don't, uh, I don't believe in any sort of magical being in the sky or any sort of grand consciousness that, you know, that, uh, unites us all, um, other than maybe the human experience itself. Yeah. Right. Yes. We, we, we all go through, um, yearnings we all go through failures we all go through successes um you know and and you know it's it's one of those things that you know i i see where where that is is something that unites us but um that's a little bit different than the concept of uh you know either a a deity or um you know a, a a binding uh vibration or something like that one ring to unite them all Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, so no eyes of Sauron. Thank, thank you, Gollum. <laughs> My precious. Uh-huh. So, like, um, thank you for, for clarifying that for the listeners. Yeah. I have a question just because I'm curious about, mm-hmm. like, your philosophy. Then do you, do you see awareness as separate from, uh, like, the thinking mind? Do you see, see thoughts as separate from awareness? Or does awareness exist only in thoughts for you? So, 
I have a problem with the idea of separate. Uh-huh. Um, well, awareness arises from a lot of things, I think. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you try to say that awareness is separate from thinking or thinking is separate from awareness or thinking is separate from your body or your brain mm-hmm. or the chemistry that's driving that or the, the physiology, um, you know, we're, we're, we're complicated little machines. Um, and to think about one without considering the impacts of the other is kind of reductive. Um, it would and, be and, like stereotyping uh, the two of us. Right. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, for, for the sake of argument, sometimes you need to apply that razor, right? You need to sort of put something in a column and say, you know, all right, here's the, here's the, here's the way it goes. Um, but you know, to, to deny the outside influences and, and all the different pieces and parts that create something that, you know, that becomes something as complicated as your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, there's no simple answer. I feel like my spiritual journey started just there, like in that exact spot where mm-hmm. I was like, I'm having thoughts that I don't want to be having. I am in a body that is so uncomfortable to be Mm -hmm. in that I like, I'm in so much pain. I don't want to be in it anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, then learning to uh, see myself as the experiencer of that. So to see myself not as my thoughts, to see myself not as my body was that like, that was like my gateway moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it like just started there, like learning how to separate those things. And for me, the separation was... The important part mm-hmm. so that I ha- could have peace mm-hmm. so that I could have wholeness so that I could have experiences that weren't just pain mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and then and then it became like okay so my awareness is separate from these things but also derives from them mm-hmm. and is like incredibly interconnected and influenced by them but also and this is where it became like in my opinion mystical mm-hmm also, my awareness experiences a lot of stuff outside of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I got into the like, really sort of like, I want to say woo-woo. People would call them woo-woo things. The woo. The woo. Got into all the woo. <laughs> and this was the part that was um, exciting for me is because I would be curious about things. So I would be like... You know, um, I went to this course and we were doing some work and I had this like uncanny experience and I think I might be a medium and I think I might be this and I think I might be that. And I'm thinking about taking this training and you were so good about like, I would be like, is it crazy to invest this kind of money in this thing? (laughs) Is it crazy to, is it crazy to even be doing this? Is it crazy to be, uh, like entertaining these thoughts? And you would always bring me back to the importance of the emotional journey I was on. Mm-hmm. You would be like, is it changing? Do you feel better when you do it? And I would be like, yes. And so you'd be like, then it doesn't matter if it's real or not. It changes how you feel. That's all the real it needs to be. And that like really helped me a lot. Um, but I'm curious, like what was your, like what was your experience with all that? Or how has your experience with that been? How so? Well, I mean, what, what was, well, yeah, I mean, I joined an ashram. Yeah. <laughs> Were you ever at any point like, oh my God. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it, it, at no point to me did it ever seem like you had flown off the handle. Um, 
You know, it was... I, I guess it, it is, is one of those things where... Oh, God, I'm going to sound like an accountant. <laughs> Uh, you know, what is, what is the value of something? What is the, what is the return yeah, ROI. On, on something? Right. Yeah. Um, and so you were struggling with a, a you know, a, a definite physical break. Yes. Right. And along with that, then, you know, you, you consider the, the, the the emotional toll that that has on you feeling unable you, know, you can't out of do x you can't do and so you had your um damn it can't find the right word <clears throat> but you, 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 well you had your power stolen yes right and so you know and 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 i've, I've had my own traumas I, I didn't have like i haven't had anything that was like you know a, a pinpoint moment time event that you know similar to breaking your back mm-hmm. has right um i haven't had that but i have my own traumas and i have my own things where you know i i feel a, a loss of power and i feel you know a, a sense of um a, a sense of hurt um and and those things are something that i too have to overcome um in in some of the things you know especially as it relates to you know your your emotional, um, your 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 mental needs, uh, those sorts of things, and call it spiritual needs if you need to. Um, but you know when it comes down to that, if it's working for you, and it's not hurting anyone else, um, then why should I have any opinion on it at all? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think this. There's a broader argument there, right? Um, if, if 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 it's if it's something that's making you happy um, or bringing health to you, mm-hmm. and it's not at the expense of our relationship, it's not at the expense of uh, it's not at the expense of yourself. You know, I mean, you know, you know, like cr- crazy <laughs> example, like. You know, uh, uh, for for a moment, a, a drug addiction makes somebody feel freaking great, right? But yeah. it 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 hurts their body, it hurts their bank account, um, it 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 you know it ultimately ends up hurting their relationships, um, and you know the 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 dependency um, and and all the other stuff. It it you know it, it's it's really just it's a it's a cover, it's a blanket, and it's a short term fix. It doesn't really solve any problems, right? And spirituality was the opposite of that. Spirituality like, is the opposite of that. It's meditation a way of, was good for my body. It helped me to communicate my needs better. It helped me get to know myself, which also helped me get to know you better. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was like kind of the opposite right. of that. And so, like whether or not the whether or not the woo matters, right? The woo is part of the process. The process itself has benefit the process itself does good um you know mindfulness meditation you know helps you to to bring your thoughts to focus on you know the positive things that are you know what are you grateful for you know uh, to 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 feel 
to feel things and take recognition and ownership of things like, you know, stress and anxiety, sadness, anger, um, you know, to, to recognize when those things are happening, to recognize the emotion, and then to give you the tool set to work through it, right? There's value to all of that. Um, and, you know, beyond that, as long as there's not something destructive, what, why should I care? Yeah. It's not, it's not my job to govern how you take care of yourself. Right. Um, yeah. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I think people feel threatened um, if other people don't believe their same worldview. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, boy, if we could all just be a little bit better on that. I know. <laughs> it would change so much. It would. It would. And uh... <laughs> so many poor angry white dudes could just shut the hell up. I know. <laughs> oh god, we're not going there. I know. I know. <laughs> but like it it I think though um <laughs> I think a lot about that because I think this is one of the things that really bothers me about like religion and I was explaining mm-hmm. this to my mystical spiritual magical people the other day mm-hmm. like, mystery which is part of where the word mystic and mysticism comes from the acknowledgement that there is more to our experience than we can understand in Mm -hmm. our limited bodies, in our limited awareness, and express with our limited language, Mm -hmm. uh, is at the root of spirituality. Spirituality is when we start practicing that, when we start trying to communicate that, when we start engaging with it. Religion Mm -hmm. is when we put rules and beliefs on our spirituality Mm -hmm. and on what the mysticism is. And to the degree that, like... I love learning about deities uh, of lots of different cultures because I think that the face that we put on the mystery helps us engage with it. But I, and I think this is the problem that I have when it becomes religion Mm -hmm. is that some people need other people to tell them it's right so that they feel comfortable believing that it's right. Yes. Yeah. Some of it. Some of it maybe is a confidence issue. Yes. But you're trying to get like security and confidence around something that by its very definition is Mm -hmm. ineffable. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes, in my opinion, very problematic. But I think this is what happens in relationships. If I suddenly believe in universe, God, Kali, Mm -hmm. Durga, Buddha, Mm -hmm. whatever, Yamaya and you don't believe in those things, mm-hmm. then I feel like I can't be in a relationship with you. That's an example. I don't actually feel that way. Um. Well, no. And, you know, not not everyone should go out there and find themselves an atheist. But, like, <laughs> so so from, and, and I, I'm, you know, I can only speak to my own personal experience. But, you know, from the way I see it, right, it makes sense. Deities make sense. Yeah. Right? Because as a person, to assign a personhood to something as complicated as a deity, right? To give it a face, to give it a name, to give it a body. Yeah. So you right? Can... To give it an attitude, 
right? To give it a, a history yeah. and, a, and a backstory. You know, those are all very personal traits that you're assigning to um, something as complicated as existence, right? And so uh, by doing that, I mean, it, it really is... It really is sort of taking these things that you want to have a relationship with, right? That are ineffable, that are intangible, right? You're making them a body or a person that you can have a relationship with. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's scary to consider that... Um, you know, I, I, I mean, one of the, one of the people, one of the things that I'm sure people misunderstand about atheism, right, is that life has no meaning. If you're, you know, if if there's if there's no God, then life has no meaning, right? Um, but that's not true. Uh, life itself is the meaning. You know, who you are every day, what you what you do, what you bring into the world. Um, you know that that is the meaning, um, but it's hard to have a relationship with that. It's not, you know, it's not um, it's not something you can wrap your arms around and hug. Uh, it's it's definitely something that you constantly fight with in your head, and you know you roll it around and see it in different ways, which is maybe why it's more natural for me to look at it this way because I this is how I look at everything. Right, I I don't, I don't approach things on a straight angle. Yeah, no, you uh, don't. I I surround it and attack from all angles <laughs> at the same time, um, you know, which is <laughs> makes me a lot of fun. <laughs> I feel like we're similar that way, though. <laughs> oh, we're very similar in this way. Neither one of us are linear thinkers. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think people run into trouble when they start so we've just agreed that the like having a belief can be helpful to engage ourselves our awareness with something larger than us Mm -hmm. the bigger concepts which can give us meaning right can give us purpose all those kind of things but i feel like we run into trouble when we make those things so solid that they become inflexible and we forget the like beautiful murky darkness that they came from like right and so it in acknowledgement of that, I think in relationship, having a healthy level of respect for, I could be wrong. I could be having this relationship with the universe, with God, with whatever, and like, I could be totally off, and that could be okay because it makes me feel good, I have purpose, I have understanding, I have awareness, and I have all of these amazing benefits from this practice. And I don't need anyone else to believe that same thing for me to know that it's working for me. So it's like an internal... It's an internal system where you're checking in yourself, is this mm-hmm. working for me? And then looking around you going, is this hurting anyone else? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it becomes hurtful for other people if I were to say, like, I need you to do this with me and to believe the exact same thing as me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's, I, I mean, that's where, you know, that, that's where the, the issues come up with, like, religious freedoms right yeah <laughs> but believe whatever you want but the second that you're telling me what I have to believe yep 
here's the door. <laughs> <laughs> We're very libertarian that way. <laughs> uh, can't identify with the libertarians no, anyways. No, I know, bad word, bad word. All the ones that have labeled themselves as libertarians have just been <laughs> Republicans, so... so. <laughs> um, Politics aside. Yeah, right? What was I going to ask you? So, what, like, how, how, I mean, I guess when I was going through all of these transitions mm-hmm. and I was coming home saying, like, oh, my God, I went to this thing and we were doing mm-hmm. mediumship and mm-hmm. I knew the woman's dog and its name and mm-hmm. its favorite sitting place and all of this is happening, what was going on in your head? <laughs> how do you support somebody through that? Uh, how do you support somebody through that? Uh, you put yourself aside. The way you support anybody through anything else. You know, it's not about me. Uh, you're... Oh, so you can just... Like, I can be with this and receive this and be part of this because you're yeah. not centering it on yourself. Let your ego dissolve. Yeah. Um, you know, if, 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 if a friend comes to you in need, right? Mm-hmm. And you try to make it all about yourself... Congratulations, you're an asshole. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's one of those things. Um, and, you know, we all have the ability to go that way. Yeah. Um, I do want to say this for the audience. Like, I, Patrick is not advocating for martyring yourself. When Pat says things like this, he comes from the place of he he's certain that he's taken care of himself and he's not like self-sacrificing to the point of doing harm to himself while helping another person. I want to be clear right. about that. Well, when you say move yourself aside, you don't mean like completely neglect and torture yourself for the sake of someone else. Right. I mean, yeah. I first of all, remember selfishness is good. Um, <laughs> and when a friend comes to you, <laughs> you know, so you have a relationship. You don't yeah. just do this for anybody. Um, because you can't save the world all by yourself. You need help. Yeah. It takes a village, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, there's there's no reason to. There is no reason. I mean, I mean, there has to be. There has to be. I guess boundaries. Yeah. Right. There has to be boundaries when when you are sacrificing yourself in order to bring somebody else up or whatever you're justifying that is to yourself. Um, you know, that's, that's unhealthy. This wasn't that. This was you going through your experiences and wanting to share that with me. And then, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I mean, like, let go of judgment, let go of, let go of your own beliefs. Cause what I believe doesn't, shouldn't have any impact on what you believe. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's just a matter of, you know, let go of that stuff. It's not it it's not part of the equation. It doesn't need to be in here influencing any of it. You're going through a healing process, so let you heal. Yeah, but I feel like that's like okay, so example, if if maybe you had been like and listeners for both of your reference, Patrick and I both grew up Catholic. So let's say you're still like really. <laughs> you all Shudder. can't. Yeah, you can't see it, but Pat's shuddering. <laughs> let's say you are really, really, really Christian, right? And this is again where I think religion can become harmful. 
because Christianity teaches us that when we pass, like, we, you know, go to heaven and we don't, like, hang out here and talk to mediums, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, like, if I came and said, like, I had this experience and, and I found out it was real and I'm not comfortable with it, like, in, in those moments where I was communicating that to Patrick, he did a really good job of being, like, just receiving that because I really just needed to be heard. And it isn't ever that I've ever... I, I haven't figured it out yet. And honestly, you guys, I don't really, I know this is gonna sound weird, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care to assign values and uh, like to, to know with certainty anything about the mystical or what happens when we die. I don't care to answer those questions because I know that I can't. I can think around them in a lot of ways, but the, the kind of thinking that we're talking about where you can like surround something all the way and sort of feel like you know it. I know I cannot do that with the mystical. <laughs> and so like I was having these experiences where I was confronting that. Like there is this thing, it, it is unknowable, but I'm having experiences with it that are very real for me and it feels overwhelming. And you were able to just be there with me for that and not like, and not then be like, oh yeah, well I'm uh, as a atheist, I think, you know, when we die, it's lights out. <laughs> like, you never argued with me about anything like that. Can you maybe talk about that? Um. Well, I guess you did. You just said you centered on what you were receiving. Yeah. And what I actually needed, which was yeah. to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. If you want a loving, caring relationship, that means you have to be loving and caring yourself. Right? Yep. Uh, otherwise, you're not going for a fair exchange. You know, if 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 our only way to continue a relationship is that you do everything that I say, right? We're not in a. That's <laughs> not going to happen, anyways. <laughs> but right. we're not we're not in a relationship yeah. of lovers. We're in a relationship of, uh, of you know, boss and, and surrogate, yep, or or something like that, um, or I use the word wrong word there, but uh, we know sub, what you mean. Sub, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah. So, you know, it. I mean, I, I it, it's one thing to say you trust a person. It's another thing to actually trust a person, right? Um, I believe that you are going to do what is in your best interest without hurting yourself. So you don't really need me to take care of you. Yeah, so you're just talking about respect now. Well, <laughs> Awareness that... Well, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. and that, right, it's... I mean, in couplehood, you you gotta trust each other. You gotta respect each other. You, if, you know, and it's and it's one of those things that, for for that to happen, you know, depending on who you are. I mean, I'm, I I, I work in regulation for the love of God. I am I am a control freak, <laughs> right? But. I never you know, noticed. No, never noticed. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I can spend as much time tying my shoes to get the exact perfect knot, but the minute I start obsessing about the knot in your shoes, uh -huh. 
that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> right? You, a little bit, yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep yourself in check. Um, you know, I mean, we can obsess and, and yeah, I mean, part of, I guess part of couplehood and part of, um, you know, part of building family is, you know, this sense of, you know, identifying the person that you're in that relationship you know, as, as part of you and that, you know, you all, you all share, um, you all share a common history and common bond and, you know, you have your own, you have your own languages and, and stuff like that. Um, but you know, when that, I, I guess when that, when that becomes attachment, uh, when that becomes ownership, mm. uh, you know, that's when, that's when you've gone a bit overboard. And so, um, you know, some of it is just self-regulation. Um. I will say that, like, just so that you all kind of have a, a grip on this, um, our relationship has been an evolution. And part of... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We're giggling because there, there have been hard times. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, one of an example of what Patrick's talking about, um, and I would actually use the term possessiveness. And sometimes we have needs, especially those of us who grew up in, um, like, households that where you're not super aware of your emotions or where emotions aren't prioritized. We can often end up with um, unrecognized needs that we sublimate on other people. And I will give you an example of this. When I finished grad school and I came home, um, I, I went from having this amazing community of people who were really into the same thing as I was and who I had frequent intellectual conversations with. And I, I came back and I didn't have that established anywhere. Um, I, I tried to... Um, ask uh, people for that that were not um, able to give me that. And so Pat was my only source for that. And there were a couple times where I got frustrated with his like things outside of our relationship because I was so unfulfilled in the relationships I was having outside of our relationship. And I kind of put some of that on him a little bit. And that was really um, unfair of me to do. But it, I recognized that it came from uh, like a deep need that I had and in an inability to, to find that anywhere else. And so like the kind of the cool thing about like being in a long-term relationship is the way that you establish uh, what your needs are, how you're going to meet them and the way that you flow and flux around the ability of the other person to uh, give them or to support in that way. Because a lot of times you would come home from work just sort of like drained and stressed and I would be trying to have like a like, let's analyze this from 20 different viewpoints conversation with you. And you would be like, no, I need to unplug. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and there was no way that I would live up to, you know, the, the level of um, academic. Um, artistic discourse. Yeah, artistic discourse that you had with, you know, the, the folks that you went to school with I mean you know th those people had formal training and I, I like pictures <laughs> um, 
you know so yeah. uh yeah i mean it's not it's not something that that i could uh i could fulfill i just don't have the tackle box to deal with that and i think that's the other thing that we do well is that we recognize that the one person that we choose for the romantic area of our life doesn't need to be the end all be all of all of the parts of our lives no no and i you know we we all grow and change too i mean you're not the person that I met, um, you know, uh, God, almost 15, 15 yeah, 15 Maybe to 20 little, years yeah. ago. <laughs> um, you know, the, the angry person that called me on the phone or the, the sweet young girl in the yellow dress on the Bella Louisville, you're neither of those people, no. um, anymore. Uh, you're not entirely not that person. Well, they're still but, in me. There's still aspects of me, but yeah, yeah there's a, um, a wiser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're both wiser. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of grew up in a family where I wasn't allowed to have relationships or boundaries and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still dealing with my own, um, you know, wrestling with my own demons and, and, and dealing with my own bullshit. Um, and you know, I don't know, it's, it's awareness. You got to recognize that you don't have all the answers and you're not perfect. So why should you go off telling somebody else how to live? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's more than that when you're in a romantic relationship with someone, you know, cause we, I mean, we have to function yeah. as, as a, as a duo. We, we do. We're definitely the dynamic duo of 2020. Cutting each other's hair up here. That's right. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you a question kind of based on this. Oh, how has our difference in spiritual beliefs um, been a good thing, in your opinion? Um, I mean, if nothing else, uh, it satisfies my curiosity. Um, you know, I... I, I don't have a taste to have the same thing every day, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't want to be, uh, you know, a person that lives the lifestyle of like, you know, meatloaf Mondays, where it's the same meatloaf every single Monday, and you have that much regularity in in what you do. I mean, when when something becomes that. Monotonous. Uh, that routine and monotonous, I get really bored. And when I get really bored, I get really unhappy. So, um, you well, know, you that is not... the right chaotic creatrix. <laughs> I, I, I love your chaos. <laughs> um, you know, so, so that's good. You know, but, well, and, and that's a good point too, right? So, I mean, yes, you are an agent of chaos. Which means that you bring, um, you bring unique experiences and lovely surprises into my life. Um, it also means that you know sometimes I come home and there is ribbons of plaster hanging from absolutely everything, and you know maybe I wanted to sit on the couch, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, you know, and so it's one of those things where I, 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 you know, personally, I recognize that 
you know, it's it's the same it's the same spark that you know uh, that that you know either creates that that welcome light and warmth, um, or can also burn down the house, <laughs> right? And so um, you know, recognizing that you don't always know where that fire is going to go, but loving the source of the spark. That's sweet. I like that. I was kind of hoping you would tell people how much you like when I uh, play my crystal bowls in the middle of your um, (laughs) Zoom meetings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think. Oh, 2020 uh, is a mess. And it's still going on. It is still going on. We're still in quarantine over here. <laughs> 2020 but... started March 13th. Yeah, I know. So ah, Has it been exactly a year? Oh, no. Uh, we still got a couple of days, but... Yeah. Well, I'm going to release this interview next week. So I'll try and release this interview on March 13th, and we can have a little there we go. celebration. Oh. <laughs> a little one year in quarantine together, and we still really like each other. It's been good. It's been, um, you know... It's interesting, we kind of, we've been forced to remove distractions. Um, Or, you know, you can look at it that we've been forced to, uh, you know, live with each other full time, you know, and not have an escape of like going to the office for eight hours um, or, uh, you know, running off to India for two, three weeks. I don't um, know who does that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, where the, where you get this idea that you have a break from each other. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I, it, it's one of those things. I, I, there's, there's sort of a hidden, um, you know, atheists using the word blessing. Uh, <laughs> there's sort of a hidden, there's sort of a hidden, hidden blessing uh, in, uh, in this year, though. You know, and I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, considering we're, you know, two people relying on each other in a brand new city that we're not allowed to go see. Explore, yeah. You know, we're not allowed to go explore it. Um, you know, we've we've made some uh, rituals around um, having faux on Sundays. Um, which is something we kind of did before, uh, actually before we even moved to Boston. Uh, and then, you know, uh, like our, our walks today, I think, you know, we've been, you know, anything from, uh, on weekdays, taking the dogs for walks together in the middle of the day and, you know, just setting work aside for 30 minutes to, um, wander around the block or, uh, you know, the, the five mile hike we did today. Um, you know, both of those have been, uh, rituals for us in this past year. And it's been useful for us to do things together and share time and bond and, um, support each other. Yeah. 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 You're still my favorite person. Me too. Wait, you're your own favorite person? Well, yeah. (laughs) I'm okay with that. You, you, You have to love yourself. Yeah, I had another question for you, and I'm like drawing a blank on it right now. 
maybe we could kind of sum this up for folks. And, oh, no, here it was. This is, I'm going to tell a little story. So uh, actually, right before the pandemic, I told Pat I wanted to use my intuitive gifts professionally. So it was that moment where I would be, I was really uncomfortable, like, making the kind of claims that you kind of have to make when you step into your power and your authority as, like, a teacher, a spiritual teacher, a meditation teacher, uh, like medium, psychic, whatever. Uh, I call it an intuitive practitioner. Um, so there's like that that claim that has to sort of be made to go into that kind of business. And I was like really resisting it. And I told you about it. And we both had a moment where we had to recognize that there is like hesitancy and resistance there. But that is actually a good thing because that makes us ethical. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I I think that goes along with, I think that goes along with a lot of this, right? Um, Loving yourself, loving somebody else, being, being, and putting yourself out there uh, as, as, you know, an intuitive coach or as a, as a, as a specialist in anything, you know, yeah. even as a specialist in the in the realm of Sarbanes Oxley. Yeah, but it's particularly when you do the like the mystical element of it. Right. Like, I'm going to create some framework, some faces around this mysterious thing. Right. That I admittedly do not control and cannot fully know. Right. Yeah. But if you aren't if you aren't willing to recognize your own weaknesses your own breakpoints, you know, um, and, and accept those, accept the weaknesses and the breakpoints in the person you love, mm-hmm. right? Accept the, the weaknesses um, in, you know, I, I, I mean, if, if you claim that you are all-knowing, all-powerful, <laughs> number one, again, <laughs> welcome, you're an asshole. Um, but, you know, so... It, like if you if you let your if you let your ego go unchecked and and you know you you know you believe that you have all the right answers and you're never wrong and you're not willing to admit that stuff then uh then yeah you are going to go awry yeah yeah but it was really interesting to me too because like your knee jerk was to protect me you know like we both had a moment where I was like I'm gonna do this and we were both like Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> And it actually like kind of brought me to a deeper place of uh, unpacking uh, ways that I had um, experienced people who were unwilling to admit that there were breakpoints mm-hmm. or unwilling to admit that they were wrong or claiming that they had some mm-hmm. kind of like supernal power. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the point at, that at which I go, ooh, I don't like that. But the recognition yeah. that, that that was what I wasn't going to be by just my, you know... It, that your hesitancy mixed with my hesitancy was one of those moments where I was like, there's something to be worked with and cleared here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's like more to know and understand about that. So it sent me on sort of a trajectory uh, into which I really actually came out on the other end, even more like, no, this is what I do. These are my gifts. And like, here they are. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and it made me more confident in speaking about the things that I do and like starting a podcast and talking to people about spirituality. So it becomes interesting for me, I think, 
when the relationship has a little bit of that like push and pull Mm -hmm. or where we could sort of like reflect things to each other so that we know and understand what needs to be worked with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's one of those things where being able to offer different opinions freely to know that you're not going to be judged to, you know, be able to have a, 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 a clear discussion uh, leads to better credibility, mm-hmm. right? If, you know, if you're, if you're unable to uh, spend time comfortably with the areas that are scary, uh, you know, the, the areas that are, are, are broken, you know, I, I mean, then, then how are you really going to be able to bring any sort of quality um i mean you can't you can't take you you can't take just a, a childish approach to any skill and just you know uh you know think think about uh, being an astronaut and the only thing you think about as far as being an astronaut is being in space and wearing that fishbowl thing as a helmet um, you know, that's, that is, you know, the, that is maybe a few moments in that job. Um, but you know, to get there, uh, there is so much else and there's so many other work, work, uh, so many other trainings and things that you have to do and so many other systems and so many things can go wrong in all of those, um, you know, to, to, to get to the point where, you know, a person is floating in space. Yeah. Right. Um, and so to, to take anything, uh, whether it be an intuitive practice or an astronaut and to boil it down to that one moment of, uh, floating in space, um, you know, that is a disservice to the, the, the discipline and the effort that goes into, uh, any sort of work of love. Yep. I know. I think kind of like the the thing that we've been like driving at, I hope, and maybe like the takeaway for today is this idea that um, when you're in relationship, it's important to have things that you connect over uh, and like some similar things. But that like the, the more important thing is to love yourself. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to know and express your needs, but also in relationships specifically to be able to receive the other part, the other person in your relationship with, um, I just want to say like receptivity, like with openness, with a question instead of an answer. You know, like if you, if you're receiving and you're judging while Mm -hmm. you're receiving, that isn't really receiving. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's funny because I'm definitely, you know, judgment is definitely in my personality. No, really? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things that it's <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but you know, it's one of those things that I. It's it's like meditation, right? Um, you're 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 trying to sit there in a moment of non-judgment, uh, and judgment will float in. 
Um, and when that happens, Don't you judge the judge. recognize that it's there. Yep. And you put it back in its place. Um, and then you, you know, try to continue on in a, in a place of non-judgment. Um, and, you know, that's... It, it's a valuable skill. Uh, it's not something that comes naturally. Um, it's something you have to, to build. And at first, it's going to uh, really suck. And judgment will keep popping up and popping up and popping up. Um, but, you know, to, to recognize that it's there and learn to set it aside, uh, you know, it, it, it improves your practice of being a non-judgmental person. And just being able to accept all of your relationships, romantic or otherwise, with uh, an equanimity and a compassion that makes life a lot easier, I think, as well. Um, and it makes it possible to be truly happy, in my opinion. I mean, that was one of the like breakthrough kind of things that I continue to develop, is just being present for it all. What? I have to say continue, because nobody's there. No, no, I... <laughs> Uh, just recognizing, uh, something that I think comes up a lot in our relationship. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're recognizing to, to be happy. Uh, what's going on in my head is the thought of, you know, if, if we're going to make the world a better place, mm -hmm. you know, we got to start at home. Yeah. You know, so if, if, if we're going to have a world of equanimity, um, we need to start with our own relationships. Yep. You know, we need to, the, you know, um, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's your, uh, your, your significant other, um, you know, your, your friends, your job, um, you know, those, those, um, environments that you work in, um, or live in, uh, most of the time, uh, you know, I mean, go out and be a crusader and, you know, uh, you know, fill up the, uh, fill up the city squares and, you know, uh, help sound the call and, and those sorts of things. Uh, but if you're not doing that at home, um, then it's, it's really not ever gonna, it, it's not going to be the fullest extent of the dream that it can be. Mm -hmm. Um, and even that won't be perfect. This is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like a, a, a something for another episode <laughs> in, in the future. Maybe. <laughs> like, it's a whole discussion of how the personal becomes the uh, the communal and how the communal affects the personal. They're like a dialogue. Mm -hmm. They're in relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like this is a pretty good stopping point. Um, do you have any big sort of takeaways or little bits of advice or little tidbits for the audience as we close out? Uh, I'm not qualified to give advice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you recognize that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess I kind of want to conclude with the idea that um, the more that we can unpack the stereotypes uh, and see the whole person and get in the receptivity of just learning how to be with a person to appreciate them, the easier our relationships become. It isn't that we don't have boundaries. Like it's not like a no rules, woo, no bedtime kind of situation. It's uh, I know myself, I know what I need and I can recognize whether or not the relationship is working with the person, you know? 
Do you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I mean, recognizing and respecting each other's boundaries is, is, is what makes a healthy relationship. I mean, recognizing and respecting each other's yeah, but I'm talking about the boundaries that come from society. Like, this is what the men do, and this is what the oh. women do. And so the oh, more well, that's we... all bullshit anyway. I know. <laughs> the more we sort of, like, unpack that, the more we can step authentically yeah. into. And then when we take, when we think about, like, because part of, again, the reason I wanted to have you on is that you're an atheist, and I'm like... Woo. I, I run a mystery school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so, and I don't find any issue with that. Like, I've never felt like your atheism in any way threatens my spiritual beliefs or non-beliefs, mm-hmm. my openness, and your my openness doesn't threaten your atheism. And I'm not also spending all my time trying to convince you to believe something. No, no. If, if, you, if, if, that's what, if that's what we made the focus of our relationship, then we would both be miserable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, like, want to add that, like, it's possible to center your life around spirituality and to still be, have a good, healthy relationship that is supportive and beautiful. And for, like, people to maybe walk away with a little hope around that and the idea that, like, they can um, transcend stereotypes and they can open up and experience, like, the wholeness of another person in their Mm -hmm. relationship. Um, Because I feel like spirituality is a sticking point. For a lot of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And so part of it is just like opening. Because even in your atheism, you say, I recognize I can't know this. Yeah. And I recognize that it's also important. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I recognize the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so it, it's really, I think, interesting um, and beautiful to me that way. So... For what it's worth, I would describe our relationship as spiritual. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> in that it is an it is an experience and a question that there isn't an answer to. And a constant like deepening. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is definitely a mystery. <laughs> um, that you know uh, appreciation. It's, it's, it's a mystery that I appreciate. Um, I don't, I don't feel a need to solve any of it. Yeah. Just experience. um, Because I just love to sit in it. Yeah. And now we're back to the openness and the receptivity. Yeah. So those are the big takeaways. Thank you so much for being here. And I am so glad you're here. If you loved the episode, please remember to hit the like button or drop us a review that helps the podcast get more visible. And if you know someone who is struggling with uh, this kind of dynamic in their relationship, please feel free to share the episode, quote us or any part of it. And if you have any questions for me, my information is in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sacred Adventure Begin. If you feel inspired by the conversations you were part of today, please consider joining us on patreon.com backslash getting into it with Emily and supporting the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. Membership and support starts at $2 a month and gives you access to teachings, episodes before they are released, and a platform to submit your questions for our guests. 
Thank you so much for being here. Know that I am sending you so much love, so much awareness, and so much self-acceptance at whatever stage in your journey you find yourself on today.